Welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer, and I'm here with great pianist uh, Jen Allen, whose new album is coming out very, very soon. And uh, we're excited to have her on the podcast. Jen, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit. Give us the brief overview of the new album and who's on it, and uh, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, it's called Sifting Grace, and it's featuring Chris Allen on saxophones, Marty Jaffe on bass, and Chris Chabade on drums. Um, and yeah, it's about seven tunes that I wrote over course of a couple of years, um, kind of dealing with a lot of transition that was going on in my life. So um, it's a it's kind of a fun album, but also a little bit reflective for me. Sure. Yeah, that's great. And um, so let's see, you are based in Connecticut, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut. And so is that where you grew up? Where, how did you get started playing piano? How did you start getting into playing jazz music? Yeah, no, I grew up in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And um, for those who are in high school education in jazz, they know that Foxborough has this really great jazz program. And mm -hmm. I actually was a, a cellist and the band needed a pianist. And the band director, uh, Stephen Massey, knew that... Um, well, I don't know how he knew it, but he's like, you know, she's a hard worker. I'm going to have her try the piano. And he came up to me one day, asked me if I wanted to be the pianist in the jazz band. And I, I looked at him and I was like, you know, I don't play piano. And he's like, yeah, but I think you can do this. And I, and he handed me a stack of records and I was like, I don't even think I have a record player. And um, so I went home and found a record player in my um, house someplace. And, and I uh, started listening to stuff and, uh, I kind of went from there. I, I really just fell in love with the music and I started taking lessons on piano and, um, and the cello fell by the wayside. <laughs> and so my life was changed. And then I went to music school at heart. Um, after, well, so that was like my junior year of high school when that happened. So I was like 16, 17 years old at that time. And my plans had been to be in music, but on cello. Um, and so, I took a year off after high school and kind of just practiced, took lessons in Boston um, at Berkeley and at Longy School of Music, and then auditioned for schools the following year on jazz piano. And that was that. Wow. So do you play cello at all anymore? I wish I did. I don't. Um, it's one of these sad things. I, I think my parents had just bought me a cello so I could go on, take auditions for schools. Yeah. And then they're like, well, if you're not going to use it, we're going to sell it back. And they did. And so I never had a cello, uh. um, but I could still probably do it. I remember it, um, but I would, I don't, it's really sad. Yeah. 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 So when you were uh, at uh, Foxborough, were you in any of the groups that were involved with all the essentially Ellington stuff with, with them? So I'm just... A little too old for that um like by a year or so it started like the year after i think um i graduated so i didn't actually do any of that but you were the foundational uh member mem that was uh all that was built upon you started you started the <laughs> tradition with your class and then moved forward actually yeah? there the, there was a pretty deep history before i even got there yeah but yeah yeah that's great and so what was your experience like at, like at heart? Who were you studying with there? And, and what was some of the music that you were, you're listening to? 
Um, so Jackie McLean was there when I was um, at heart, and so he was the biggest influence in um, probably my musical uh, things that I was starting at that point in time, um, just the amount of time he spent with the students and the way he taught us in the oral tradition and the stories and all the history of the music itself, that was a huge influence on me. And pianistically, I studied with a bunch of different people because um, they were kind of in this transition stage. So I studied with Harold Dinkel a little bit and um, Michael Weiss for, I think he was just there a semester, but then ultimately it was Andy Laverne was there for a few years. Mm -hmm. Great. And uh, so you've continued on the jazz education path as well as playing. Uh, I know you're you're a professor now, right? Yeah, I teach um, at Trinity College here in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do their jazz band and I teach um, jazz history and I do a music business class as well. Oh, nice. So um, in your teaching, what are some of the what are what are some of your like? main points to to make sure to get across i'm sure it's a lot in, involved from um, jackie mack but uh what are some of your focuses mm. i think every year i i like i'm changing that slightly but mm -hmm. i think right now i really want my students to um understand the impact that music has on people's lives and jazz in particular um and the stuff that i take from jackie uh, is kind of the the cultural uh, uh, the cultural impact of that you know that this is not just something that we're doing on a Monday or whatever and we're playing these tunes but that they have a history and they come from someplace and what's the history around that so I, I try to every semester when we're going over music you know have them do a little bit of research on the music and on the artists and see their impact in the world, not just on the music. So. Yeah, no, I think that's important to have, you know, historical context to how the music fit into to real life too. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's really great. Um, so how has, I mean, I know like Hartford is close to New York, but it's not, not like right next door. So how mm -hmm. often, uh, are you able to get down? I know you recorded the album in New York, but uh, how often are you playing in the city and, and getting to the city to play and all that? Yeah, um, right now, not as much, but I tend to get there, depending on the season, you know, at least a couple times a month. It's, it's only two hours away. And honestly, I always tell my New York friends this because they're like, you live so far away. And I was like, well, you sometimes takes you an hour and a half to get to Brooklyn or oh yeah know, oh totally mm -hmm. so it, it's all relative you know um how you're just getting there so it's really not a, a hard drive so I I do try to get there as much as possible right now um I do have some plans to be there for you know just hanging out and, and playing and stuff um you know then next month probably three times but it, it it fluctuates from month to month so yeah so um how let's get kind of try to circle back and connect these things together with uh with the new album and mm -hmm. this i know this wasn't I'm, I'm trying to remember it i don't think it's your first project but it was um you like uh one you know one of your you know more mm -hmm. first projects and so i'm wondering <laughs> if you have any advice to those now after going through the process again and uh looking back and and to younger musicians maybe your students or maybe some 
you know, students from other schools that are, that are listening and trying to think, Oh, is it, should I do this? Should I put a record out? I don't know. You know, there's so much trepidation sometimes about whether or not I'm ready to do this and all that. Do you have any um, thoughts or advice you might be able to share with students in that kind of headspace? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, this is, this is my second album as a leader and mm -hmm. I definitely took way too long to put it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I think that, you know, younger musicians should just do it. It's kind of a snapshot of where you are. You know, if you, if you can get yourself organized enough and to have enough funds or whatever you need to actually make it happen, you should definitely do it. Um, there's, I think for my first album, I mean, it took me a long time to do that one, partly because um, of my life situation. I just, I had had two children and I was just really busy. And um, so that one took me a long time. And then I really have no excuse between my first one and this one, why? <laughs> Other than uh, I think I was just kind of dragging my feet. So, but that's not my future. I think I, I, I already have three more projects in my head and oh, wow. in the works. So, you know, who knows what will happen with those. But I definitely encourage people not to, um, not to wait because, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. A hundred percent. So. I know that there's a lot of um, musicians in New York. So how did you come to get, you know, this particular rhythm section together uh, for the project? Um, well, Marty, I knew um, through Chris because um, Chris teaches up at Williams College and Andy Jaffe used to teach there. This is kind of a long, long route to get there. Okay. And so that's how I met Marty. Um, and Marty's just an amazing bassist. So I was thinking, oh, he would really do a great job on this music because I love how lyrical um, his playing is. And he's a great soloist and just everything about his playing um, felt right for the, the music I had written. And then Kush, um, we, I actually, I had hired him to do a gig at, um, oh, what's the name of the place? It's shut down in New York. I'm trying to think of the name of the, oh, the venue, but anyway, some club in New York and, uh, we had a gig and I had hired him on a recommendation of somebody else, um, that I had initially hired for the gig, but couldn't do it. And, um, when we, when we let four of us play together, I was like, oh, this, this is really nice. And, and something about certain rhythm sections, at least in my opinion, you know, it's, you can't always, you can say, oh, I really like this play and I really like this player, but sometimes it just doesn't work no matter. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Or not, you know, so it just doesn't match up, but it was kind of great because Marty and Chris just had a, a good connection and, um, and it just made it easy for me to um, play. So after that gig, I I was like, I didn't really have to think about it. I was like, these are the guys I'm going to definitely have on the, on the recording. And so we played a few more gigs and, um, and then we played at Dizzy's for a week and we had that time to prep for the recording and uh, it was great. Nice. So. I mean, from your perspective, from your, you know, your preferences and everything, like what are, what are some of the characteristics for you in like bass players and, and drummers that like attract you to wanting to, to play with them? Mm. 
I think for bassists, I, I like the flexibility of, um, well, I like somebody who can really just swing, um, <laughs> that, that, but also be able to be really lyrical in terms of, um, interpreting a song. Um, cause some of my songs are not just straight ahead swing. Some are, but you know, it's nice to have that kind of duality in their playing. And so, um, and not all basses can do that and that's fine, but I really, I look for those two things in a bassist and then for a drummer, I'm always looking for somebody who can swing and also do something like a, like a backbeat or something like funky because that too, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's hard to find a drummer who can do both those things really well. It's usually they do one or the other. Sure. And, uh, and Kush has kind of got it all together. So yeah, no, he's incredible. <clears throat> That's great. So, um, on, on the record, it's, it is all originals, right? Yes. Yeah. So what's, what's kind of your compositional process? Like, uh, do you compose all the time? Have you been always is something that you have to force yourself to do? What, how does that fit into your creative life? Mm, um, when I started doing jazz, I started writing right away. I think I'm not really sure why nobody asked me to, but I just started doing it. And so I've always written, you know, like head charts where just a simple melody and some chords or, Whatever. Um, and then about five years ago, I, or five or six years ago, I went back to grad school and I, I chose, um, I went to UMass Amherst because it's very close to where I live. It was free. And it was, um, I liked the guys up there who were teaching and I said, oh, I'll do that. And it's a composition program. I was like, oh, this is great. I'll check out and see what, what that has to offer. Um, and when I started doing that, I fell in love with composing even more and just the intricacies of that. So I've actually been doing a lot of um, writing in big band or larger ensembles um, the last five or six years. And, um, and then the smaller ensemble stuff that's on this album um, was kind of like just extra little stuff that I was working on while I was doing these larger projects. Um, and so I, for me, it's it's not a job. It's not even a chore. It's like the thing I want to do all the time. I love composing. So um, to be able to record any of this, this music or any of the large ensemble stuff, it, it feels like such a gift. Mm, that's beautiful. I, I don't know if you agree with me. I have a pretty strong feeling, at least with in my teaching and with my students, that like the that there's a super strong connection between developing your compositional voice and your improvisational voice. Um, mm. Do you, do you find that to be, to be helpful? Like one develops the other or, or, or not, or yeah, no. Totally. Yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Cause it's connected, right? I think they're the same process. Just one is sitting down and kind of, you get to be a little luxurious in the amount of time you get to think about exactly what you want to do, but that's definitely going to inform what you do when you go to improvise. So I, uh, I totally agree. So on the, on the record sifting grace, um, what one or two or three or all of the compositions, <laughs> what do you have any that, uh, you know, feel a little bit extra special to you? Um, 
there's a couple that are I I like a little bit better than other ones, but I like them all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, some are emotional reasons, some are compositional reasons. Um, like Prickly Pear, which is um, I think it's the last song on the album. I can't remember right now, but uh, that one was actually an exercise in uh, chordal movement, and it was just like four different chords and they had to stay in the same progression. They couldn't change the quality of the chord or anything. Mm -hmm. And to write a a melody that was interesting enough around those four chords um, in that, in the same order. And so that was kind of fun and a challenge. And I like that. Um, I like having little games like that when I write. Um, And then Cringy was actually one that I wrote for um, this, uh, organization called Spark and Echo, which um, they commissioned me to write a piece. And so that one I wanted to write slightly different than just a straight head chart. So mm-hmm. it kind of develops a little bit more and has um, improvisations and different, more incorporated into the actual composition itself. Um, what is that? Uh, what is, sorry, what is that organization? Um, it's an organization that takes. Um, the Bible, and then they try to put it into art. So you take, oh, like, cool. they give you a verse, and then they want you to, like, depict it somehow with either visual art or music or oh, wow. whatever. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, inter- I interrupted you. I was just curious. That's I... okay. No. That's fine. And then you were saying something about another piece, I think, and I when I interrupted you. Um, trying to think. That's okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I think there's there's a couple other ones. I mean, Begin Again was written. Um, uh, I did that actually with the BMI big band. Um, mm. So I was part of the BMI jazz composers workshop, and I did a big band arrangement of that, and um, that turned out really well. It was part of their end of the year concert, and I like that. But then I was like, this actually could work as a small ensemble piece maybe even better. So I made it a small ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was more about my mom because my mom passed away um, about two and a half years ago. And so that was uh, a real turning point in my life. And so that's, that was that song. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. And you're also an author, right? You, you wrote, yeah. a, you co-authored, sorry. Co-authored, yes. <laughs> Tell us about the book. What, what is that? Um, so my friend Noah Behrman, who I also am in a trio with, he's also a pianist. Um, we have an organ piano, um, trio that we do, but he, he's authored many books and he actually contacted me, um, when the company that he writes for, um, asked him to write this other book. And it's a book about, it's kind of like for mid-level improvisers, how to improvise on the piano, um, but not just improvisation, but how to comp, how to, how to be a, a good pianist in a band. Um, so there's a lot of, um, exercises or etudes based on standards, um, like giving you techniques on what to do on each song. Mm -hmm. And then there's a play along with it. So nice. Cool. So, so what's coming up for you? Um, any shows related to the album, any just gigs you, you were looking forward to or next projects? I know you said you had a bunch in, in your head now, but, uh, so what's come, what should we look forward to from Jen? Um, I have, I have, well, a Hartford CD release, um, on Monday at Black Eyed Sally's, which is kind of the, the jazz place around here. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's happening this Monday, um, the 
24th, I think that is. And, um, and then I have some other little gigs here and there. There's nothing huge yet, but I'm working on some stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, um, upcoming projects. I have a couple of actual vocal, uh, projects that I want to get done. I have about, I don't know, I think about seven or eight songs that I've written, um, with lyrics that I'd love to get a good singer to, to work with and maybe a 10 piece band. So that's kind of a, a next project I'm looking at. And then eventually my long-term goal is to have my own big band, but uh -oh. that, <laughs> yeah, so. for real. <laughs> Well, that's, no, but that's a dream. It's a dream. I'm putting it out there. Oh no, I'm sure it's much more than a dream. I'm sure it won't be long till we till we <laughs> get to hear it. That, that's incredible. So, uh, so sifting grace out February 21st, 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find it at all the places where you like to to get music. But uh, where are the places people can connect with you online? Um, I have my website, which is just getting revamped. It'll come out tomorrow as a brand new website. So I'm excited nice. about that. And, um, that's jenallenmusic.com. And then I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. So they can find me in both those places. What's, uh, what's your Instagram handle? Oh, I think it's Jen Allen music. Yeah. Okay. I think everything's Jen Allen music. Nice. Perfect. Well, uh, so check that record out for, out, uh, February 21st and after. There's also, if you're listening before that, uh, there's one single out now, Blanket Statement. And uh, you can check those out on Spotify, etc. Buy, Go to her website, buy a CD, and go to Black Eyed Sally's if you're in Hartford on Monday. Uh, but Jen, thanks for taking the time to chat today and letting our audience get to know you and get to know your music. And uh, we're looking forward to what's next. Thank you. 